Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Welcome to episode number nine of the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. Kombucha, you say? With Amanda Buse. And in today's episode, we will be talking kombucha, the health benefits to your body, why it's become so popular, and how to brew it in your own home with a simple recipe in the show notes. Thank you and enjoy. All right, Amanda, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. Thank you for taking your time today to join me to discuss kombucha and how to brew it at home. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. As I ask all my guests, why don't you give me a brief flyover of yourself and your background and what got you into kombucha? Well, Tom, I'm a functional medicine health coach, and I teach local aromatherapy, nutrition, and kombucha workshops here in the Hershey, Pennsylvania area. And I had a health coach friend originally teach me how to homebrew kombucha, and it's been so popular lately that I've had a lot of fun teaching these workshops and sharing my love of kombucha with others. And how many people do you get at your average workshop for kombucha? between five and 10 people. It's a smaller, more intimate class because I actually go over the steps to make it and demonstrate it in um, like a kitchen setting or with all of the necessary tools right there in front of um, my participants. Okay. All right, let's dive into this then. Uh, What is kombucha? Well, a general definition of kombucha is that it is an ancient fermented tea, which is a natural probiotic. Okay. I mean, I can brew tea. What do you need to add to it to make a kombucha? Well, that is a great question, Tom. Actually, I usually tell people that are interested in kombucha that if they can make a cup of hot tea, that they can make kombucha. It's really that easy. Okay. The only thing you need is a SCOBY and a starter to turn your tea from regular tea into kombucha. And everyone in my workshops goes home with their own starter and SCOBY to make their own kombucha at home. Okay. And what is this? I mean, do you need to add sugar to make kombucha? Yes. Actually, most kombucha is fermented using like a regular cane sugar, but you can also use alternative sugars, things like honey. And there's lots of different ideas online that you can do. But most people begin by using like an organic white cane sugar. Okay. And why the popularity in kombucha these days? I mean, you go to the store and you see kombucha everywhere on the shelves that help. And it's even in the local stores now. I mean, it used used to not be. You used to have to go to like a Whole Foods or a health store to get kombucha. But now it's at Kroger and Publix and your local, uh, most of your chains and restaurants or stores now, not restaurants, sorry. Well, I think there's two reasons for that. One, because kombucha is absolutely delicious. And two, because it has so many great health benefits. Kombucha in and of itself is a natural probiotic, which can help. People add more beneficial bacteria and really help with their gut health, which is, you know, two-thirds of their immune system is in their gut. Um, It also contains beneficial B vitamins, which can help with things like neuropathy. 
numbness, tingling, and coldness in the extremities. It can help with muscle and joint aches and pains. And it also contains beneficial acids. One of the most beneficial acids is called glucuronic acid. And this is needed for our liver for a process called glucuronidation, which is actually um, one of the processes that our liver does to detoxify things from our body. Okay. And when you ferment this tea and sugar, you add a thing called the SCOBY, or is it a SCOBY? No, it's definitely a SCOBY. It's not to be confused with any cartoon characters there, Tom. <laughs> I love my SCOBY snacks. <laughs> we'll get to some of those later, but first okay. you got to get some kombucha. And what is a SCOBY? A SCOBY is just an acronym for a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. You actually need this culture in order to brew your kombucha along with some starter. Okay. And it's a, a great thing because the yeast in the culture feeds off of the sugar. And then the bacteria feed off of the byproduct of the yeast. And that's what um, encourages your fermentation. Okay. Now in the store, this stuff sells from anywhere from $3 to $5 a bottle. Maybe even more at some some places, but when you make it, what does it cost you per bottle to brew it? I mean, it's definitely way less expensive to be a home brewer, and that's why so many people are doing it. Aside from the fact that it's just a lot of fun, but it's really easy to do. Like I said, if you can make a cup of hot tea, you can home brew kombucha. But it's great to find somebody local as well. If you're not willing to brew at home, it's great to find there's lots of local breweries popping up all over the country. So it's nice to have some options for uh, and support some local businesses that way. I even read an article the other day that they're brewing. There's a brewery in Michigan, I believe, that's actually making a kombucha beer. There are definitely lots of things that you can make from kombucha. I know people are making all kinds of mocktails or kombucha cocktails. And it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of things you can do with your leftover scobies as well. You can dehydrate them and make dog treats. You can um, use them in your smoothies. You can use them in your compost. I've actually fed scobies to my friend's chickens. Because, you know, chickens need probiotics as well. So why not? Right. So when you get um, overrun with too many scobies, it's a lot of fun to feed them to to chickens and watch them really go crazy for them. You get overrun with scobies. You definitely, as a home brewer, will eventually be overrun with scobies. Yes, because each time you brew a new batch, you create a new scoby. Okay, that's that's a good question. So you start with one scoby. Yes, ideally you start with one scoby, but every time that you brew, either another scoby starts to form on the top or it grows fast to the scoby that you already have. Okay, and then what do you do with the scoby after you're done? Like, say you brew a batch and you have you put your initial scoby in there. What do you do with the scoby after that? Do you just toss it or do you reuse that scoby? I've definitely heard of people tossing out their scobies once they've used them, but that's not at all what I would recommend. Um, you can definitely keep reusing a scoby for a very long time, even up to a year or longer. Um, you're just going to want to see what the general health of that scoby is. But yeah, you can keep brewing with the same scoby over and over. So most new home brewers are going to start with one or two scobies, and they're going to need these additional scobies to make more batches to be able to brew enough so that people could drink it daily. 
Okay, so how do you preserve your SCOBY? You're just going to put it back in the starter. I mean, each time you're going to use it to make a new batch. So you just keep reusing the same SCOBY and keep making new batches of kombucha. Okay, so let's say I make a batch for a week. So I, on Sunday, I brew a batch. How long does it take to ferment? Or how, how long does it take till it's ready for you to drink? Well, Tom, that's a great question because you don't actually want to brew your kombucha too frequently because you want to let it get enough of the beneficial vitamins and acids that we discussed to make sure that it's going to be a healthy drink for you and to make sure for your own safety because we're dealing with live bacteria that it's a good, strong brew. So I never recommend that anybody brews kombucha less for less than a week. Um, a, a sweet spot probably for brewing, um, and it can be to your individual taste, but it's probably somewhere around two or three weeks. Okay, so it, this Sunday, Sunday, if I ferment some black tea and sugar, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because I want to go over the steps. Okay. But you're averaging about a week, or you're, you're saying wait two weeks before you, or do you try it after a week and see how it tastes? You can definitely taste your kombucha. I recommend that you just get a little straw, like maybe a plastic straw or something, and stick it down in the kombucha just to get a little taste of it. Okay. So you can um, definitely taste it along the way to see if it's where you're going to like it. But usually after a week, it's still very sweet, and it still tastes very much like sweetened tea and not necessarily fermented yet. So I like to leave mine for about three weeks, and then I do what's called the second fermentation. Okay. And... The second fermentation is where you're going to do most of your flavoring. And there's two ways that you can do the second fermentation. You can do it by putting um, the fresh fruit or different herbs and things like mint or different spices like ginger. I love using ginger. You can go ahead and in your finished kombucha, put some of these flavorings and then just store it right in the fridge. And it will continue to slowly take on the flavor of whatever you put in it. But another way to get really great fizzy kombucha, which is Something that a lot of home brewers really strive for is to get a great fizzy, bubbly ferment. Um, you would need to do this on your counter. And so you would need to do a second ferment, just allowing it to sit on your counter with a lid on it. Okay. Now, when you have the lid on it, is the SCOBY still in there? No. For your second fermentation, you want to remove your SCOBY and you're going to use that to make your new batches of kombucha. The second fermentation is really all about the carbonation and the flavoring. Okay. So when you ferment this tea, it has a lot of probiotic effects. As you and I both know, probiotics are good for your gut. What probiotic is mainly, or what probiotics come out of this fermentation? Well, Tom, that's a very um, individual to each person's brew. So it can vary different very differently from batch to batch, but um, there are about a dozen different main strains that are typically found in a kombucha, uh, one of the main ones being lactobacillus. But there are definitely a lot of different strains of probiotics that can be in your brew. I actually usually tell um, you know people attending the workshop or whatever that if they want to find out the specific strains of their kombucha, they'd actually have to have it tested. Okay, by a lab? Yeah. Okay, so we don't need to do all that. We just need to drink this stuff, right? Hey, I mean, it's once you get hooked on it, you are stuck for life, I think, because if you can get some health benefits out of it, if you can get it to have an impact 
on your health and it's just as easy as drinking something um, that actually tastes good, then I think it's it's an easy, easy healthy swap. I've actually used it to help my clients um, reduce their soda intake or reduce alcohol intake because it still has a little bit of that alcoholish taste because it does contain a very small amount of alcohol. Anything fermented is going to contain a small amount of alcohol. And typically kombucha is around um, 0.5% um, alcohol. Okay. So like a Coors Light. <laughs> uh, it's um, definitely not a strong alcohol flavor unless you okay. brew it with that intention. But it does have a very small amount of alcohol in it. So it does kind of give people the taste that they're looking for. If they've been used to drinking you know, alcohol more regularly, it's a great way for them to have a healthy alternative to cut back. Preparing for this kombucha podcast, I was reading articles and I think they served a martini, a kombucha martini at the Paleo Effects Conference. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. So it was, I don't know what, I don't know what they remember what they called it, but that's there. But as far as alcohol content, you couldn't, I mean, you have to drink a lot of this to get a buzz. Usually I just tell people that they can drink about as much as their body will allow them to drink because your body's really going to tell you when you've had enough or when you've had too much. It might make you have loose stools or it might give you an upset stomach if you really overdo it. So I think you're probably not going to be able to overdo it um, in the alcohol unless you're really brewing it to be alcoholic. But you have to recognize that each person is very individual and somebody who's very sensitive to alcohol may have a stronger reaction than another person. Okay. So what is the history of kombucha? Well, that's a very interesting question, Tom, because there's no real way to nail down exactly what the origins of kombucha are because it's just that old. It's thousands and thousands of years old. And the story I know goes that it actually originated in China, but there was a Japanese man who I believe had a last name of something like Kombu, K-O-M-B-U. Um, he had a name that was actually then given to the product because he visited China and loved it so much that he then went around in his travels and shared it with all different countries and cultures. So he's really the one that they credit to, you know, making it famous. Okay. And cha means tea. So this guy named Kombu and then tea. So kombucha. All right. We got that. What are some of the benefits of kombucha? I mean, there's, we have detoxification, aids in digestion. Have you noticed a difference in starting to drink kombucha on a regular basis? For me personally, yes. I definitely noticed a difference in um, my body and my health when I started drinking kombucha. And I did start out you know, drinking just a small amount at first, maybe like a shot glass amount. And then you can gradually increase that over time. So if someone is just starting out drinking it, it may be, you know, they have to be something that they work up to being able to drink a larger amount daily. But definitely I noticed different things like increased in my energy. Um, it definitely improved my mood. I definitely noticed that it helped with um, my aches in my muscles and my joints. I know other people that have said that it really has helped promote their gut health and that it helps promote, you know, um, healthy bowel movements and helps keep them regular. I know other people that have just been able to make it a healthy habit, like I said, in replacing other beverages in their diet, maybe other unhealthy choices. So there's lots of great ideas for things that you can use kombucha for. Okay. 
Kombucha, I mean, as far as your joints go, I know kombucha is full of glucosamines. So that would help you with the preservation of the collagen in your body and prevent some arthritic pain and other pains in your joints and stiffness. So how about weight loss? Does it weight loss anywhere? Does it help with weight loss? Potentially. I mean, for certain people, it might help them, you know, increase their weight loss if that's their goal, especially if they've been drinking other unhealthy beverages. If you've been drinking soda every day and you replace that with kombucha, then I definitely can help you lose weight. Whether that's diet soda or regular soda, I think you'd be much better off drinking something like kombucha. And now a word from our sponsor. We'll be back in a minute. We all know that eating healthy is a part of becoming a better person. But if you're finding the organic and non-toxic products too expensive or hard to find, then ThriveMarket.com, the healthy online shopping club, is your solution. Like the Costco meets Whole Foods for everything healthy online, you'll get the best organic and non-GMO brands up to 50% off retail prices, shipped nationally to your door for free within two to three days. When you become a member, ThriveMarket.com will donate a free membership to a low-income family, teacher, or veteran so we can all thrive together. You never have to pay full price for healthy food again. Go to ThriveMarket.com slash TheRebelHealthCoach to get your free jar of coconut oil and 15% off your first order. This offer is valued at $18 and available for our listeners only on this special link. So here it is again, thrivemarket.com slash the rebel health coach. Well, you and I both know, I mean, you just a little background before I go into this, but Amanda and I are going through the same functional medicine practitioners course with the uh, same instructor. So we know each other from there and we, uh, you and I both know that if you heal the gut, and prevent leaky gut and prevent all kinds of bad things in your gut, that you're going to feel better. You're going to increase your awareness and your energy because the gut and the brain connection is so important. If you heal your gut, you're going to feel better and you're going to lose weight. So I think the correlation, in my opinion, is this. You you get that sealed and you get that fixed and you make it feel better. You're going to feel better about yourself. So eventually you're going to lose some weight. But I'm not going to sell this as a weight loss pill on Dr. Phil. So, No, Tom, there's no magic pill and there's no magic cure. But there's definitely things you can do day by day, daily choices to improve your health. All right, let's talk about flavors of this stuff. Can I mean, the basic recipe is a tea, sugar, and water, and a SCOBY. And a starter. And a starter. What do you use for a starter? Well, the starter is finished kombucha. So that's a great point because that's something that a lot of people are confused about. Um, Your finished kombucha is called starter. The stuff that you drink is the same stuff that you need a little bit of in order to remake your kombucha along with your SCOBY. Okay. So that brings us to a good point. Where do you get your first SCOBY and your first starter if you've never brewed before? Well, the best place to get one, Tom, is at one of my kombucha workshops if you're local here in central Pennsylvania. <laughs> okay. But 
But if you're not, there are definitely places online where you can go to purchase the SCOBY that they can ship to you um, if you aren't able to find one locally. If you have a local kombucha brewery, they might be able to lead you in the direction of obtaining one. I think it's best to obtain one from someone locally if you can, because sometimes when they ship them, different companies will dehydrate them and you have to rehydrate them. Um, which you run the risk of, you know, things going wrong with that because of the live bacteria and everything. So one of the places I would send people if they are not local to central Pennsylvania is um, kombuchacamp.com. That's kombuchacamp with a K or culturesforhealth.com. I think they both have options where people can go ahead and buy a SCOBY from them online. Okay. So what about the starter? Where do you get your start? I mean, you said your starter is, is actually something you, a kombucha. So if you've never brewed and you don't have any kombucha sitting around, can you go to the store and buy a kombucha? I mean, technically, some people have tried to grow their own scobies at home from some kind of kombucha that they bought. Um, but that's not the best way, in my opinion, to go ahead and try to do that. I think whenever you order a scoby online or whenever you get one at one of my workshops, it usually comes with starter. Okay. Okay. So they if I bought one on kombucha camp, They'll send me it'll a, come with, it'll come with a starter. Start. Okay. All right. Now that we got that cleared up, how do you check the healthier SCOBY? Well, Tom, that's one of the trickiest things I think for home brewers is to really know specifically what they're looking for. Because one of the worst things you can get as a home brewer is mold. And if you get mold, you definitely have to throw everything away. Your SCOBY, your starter, the whole batch, everything needs to go. There's no saving it. So there's definitely a lot of pictures online of different... Um, Types of mold that you can get. Usually mold will grow on the top of your SCOBY because a lot of times your SCOBY is floating on the top of your kombucha while it's brewing. And so if you get mold, usually you'll see mold on the top and it might be fuzzy, it might be white, it might be a variety of colors. But um, something that people get scared of is the yeast because when you're brewing really strong kombucha, you will get these little brown poopy looking things that are actually yeast and people get scared that that is mold, but the yeast actually looks very different from the mold. Okay. How do you identify the difference between mold and these poopy brown things? Well, usually the yeast is like floating somewhere in the kombucha or it's on the underside of your SCOBY that is still wet. It's still very hydrated. So Usually you can tell when once you've brewed it a few times, you really have a good feel for whether or not what you have is mold. But that's why it's a great idea to check out some of the online resources like we talked about at Cultures for Health and Kabucha Camp to check out some of the different pictures that they have. All right, let's go through your basic kombucha recipe. So a quarter cup of sugar. How much are you brewing in one batch? Well, one batch is usually for a quart. So I like to use um, the quart jars, the glass ball jars that you can buy like at the grocery store. Um, and you just usually start brewing in a quart jar. And for that, I would use a quarter of a cup of sugar in my tea. And I use like one to two tea bags to start my tea. And then you're going to use a half of a cup of starter. And I use one SCOBY for the and if you want to go ahead and increase your batch size, you can brew in larger vessels. So you can brew in like a two quart or a gallon type of jar. But I find that the gallon jars are cumbersome because you need to be able to lift it up and pour it and move the liquid around. And so I feel like 
to me, brewing in a gallon jar is quite cumbersome. Unless you're going to get one of the um, homebrew systems, you can actually go online and order a like a little keg type thing where it's just something that sits on your counter and it's a continuous brew system. And so you just leave your SCOBY in there and periodically you would add fresh tea, like fresh brewed tea and sugar to keep feeding the SCOBY and it will just continually brew you kombucha and you can just pour yourself some. They have a tap on them usually where you can just pour a fresh cup of kombucha or just pour it right into your bottles for your second ferment. Okay, so when you do that, I mean, you can just keep this batch on your counter brewing continuously? That's the whole idea. It's a continuous brew system, Tom. And I don't personally <laughs> have one. It's a continuous brew system. So, but do you have to, I mean, at some point you're going to have to take the SCOBY out, wash it. Well, Tom, you never want to wash your SCOBY because it's live bacteria and yeast. Well, you so want to wash the wanna container, wash don't you? Yes, but you're going to need to, if you have a continuous brew system, periodically you are going to need to, you know, pour your SCOBY and your starter into another vessel so that you can clean your continuous brew system. And there are specific guidelines and everything for that, that that should come with your continuous brew system. But it's just nice because most kombucha brewers, I mean, if you're brewing every two weeks, that can get to be a lot for some people to constantly keep up with it. So the other benefit to having a continuous brew system is you're not generating as much individual SCOBYs as if you're just brewing in quart jars continuously. So you'll just have one really big SCOBY if you have a continuous brew system. Water. Let's talk about the water. You don't want to just take the water. Do you want to use distilled water? Do you want to use, you don't want to use this water out of your tap. Correct, Tom. When you're brewing kombucha, you definitely don't want to be using water out of your sink if you have public water because it's treated with things like fluoride and chlorine. And those things are going to be detrimental to the health of your SCOBY and the health of your brew. So definitely you want to either obtain the appropriate type of filter to filter out those chemicals, or you're going to want to buy some water, like some distilled water to be able to use when you're home brewing your kombucha. Okay, so we've got sugar. We've got about a quarter cup of sugar, one to or two tea bags of tea. What kind of tea are you using? I mean, you're not using some flavored tea. Well, you can definitely start out if you're a new brewer with something like black or green tea. And I usually recommend that you start with a caffeinated tea, although you can learn how to brew with decaffeinated tea as well. But I usually recommend um, first-time brewers start out with either black or green tea um, because some types of tea aren't going to work well to brew kombucha while others are. And so you can find more information online as to different types of tea that you can use um, if you're trying to do different flavors and stuff. But I don't ever recommend that you start with a flavored type of tea. So you don't want to buy like orange-flavored black tea or raspberry-flavored black tea. You always want your flavor to come from your second fermentation. Okay. So we make the tea with the sugar and we boil the water, we put the, and then we place it into a quart jar. There are actually two different methods of brewing kombucha. And my method I actually like because it brews much faster. So I heat my hot water on the stove and then you pour it into your quart jar and I only fill it about a quarter of the way full with the boiling water. And then I put my sugar in my two tea bags in that and brew a small amount of tea so that I can fill the rest of the jar with water 
after I have brewed my tea in it. And that allows it to cool down quickly because you don't want to cook your scoby. You're dealing with live bacteria. And so you can't just throw your scoby into a piping hot, you know, thing of tea. You need to be able to cool it down. So other people will actually brew in their quart jar a full jar of tea or a nearly full jar of tea with just enough room for the scoby and starter. And then you have to leave that sit around for a while until it cools down so that you can add the scoby and starter. Now, I'm noticing in here that you say stir with a wooden spoon, not metal. Well, there's definitely um, people who are brewing for a living, the big breweries that use, you know, like stainless steel type of vessels to hold their kombucha. You just want to be mindful of what kind of metal you're using. And so I typically recommend to my classes that people use um, glass bowls and stuff like the glass quart jars um, or glass pitchers if they're going to be, you know, straining their scobies um, out of the kombucha. You want to use glass and wooden utensils versus a lot of metal because the metal can interact with the bacteria in the in the starter and in the scoby. Okay. Then you get it in the quart jar and you cover it with a coffee filter, not cheesecloth, and secure with a rubber band and date the coffee filter. Why not cheesecloth? Well, Tom, some people have definitely tried to use cheesecloth, but you'll find that the holes in it are too big and they will actually promote the attraction of fruit flies. And you can end up with all kinds of little things getting into your brew and funking that up. So you're not going to want that to happen because again, we're dealing with the live bacteria. We want to try to keep everything as sanitary as possible. And you want to keep things from getting in to your brew. So I always, you know, promote people using um, coffee filters to cover their brew or some kind of different cloth so that there aren't going to be things getting into your brew. Okay. All right. Now, so we've got this tea in a jar with the sugar, once the tea is at room temperature, you add your SCOBY and your starter. Then you cover it with a coffee filter, date the coffee filter. And now we just sit and wait for a couple of weeks. Yep, now you're gonna go ahead and give it time to do its thing. So you wanna let it sit somewhere um, out of the way in your kitchen, or I sometimes say in your dining room if you don't have a lot of counter space. Um, but you don't want to put it in a cupboard because it needs air. It needs room to breathe and the air circulating around it. But you also don't want to leave it sit near your trash can, um, near plants, near fruit that you have sitting on the counter. So you're going to want to sit it somewhere, maybe in a corner, somewhere out of the way where it's not going to get bumped and knocked into, um, just to let it do its thing and hang out there and do the fermentation. All right, cool. So after two weeks, we're moving on to our second fermentation. You can, yeah. So if you're ready to, at two weeks, you can go ahead and remake your kombucha all over again and whatever is left over, you're free to drink and you can drink it plain. Plenty of people do. Lots of people love the taste of plain kombucha. Um, but if you want to flavor it, then you can go ahead and, you know, if you haven't used a flavored tea or something like that, like um, something that you were using in your first ferment to flavor it, you can go ahead and, you know, add your fruit or add your herbs and different things to do your second fermentation process. Okay, so after two weeks, we want to test our kombucha to see if it's up to it's where we desire to be. You can taste it after one week or two weeks to see if it's kind of at a flavor where you want it to be. Yes, I think each individual person is going to have 
um, a different taste for it and is going to brew it to a different period and a different taste for their liking. Okay. So we taste it. We take a little sip with a straw. We decide, okay, I like this flavor right here. It's not too sugary. It's not too sour. It's just about right. Like the three little bears would say. Uh Uh-huh. It's just right. So now we want to add a flavor. Let's add a flavor. Let's take a flavor and something add it to it. How do we do that process? Well, there are a couple of different ways that you can do that, Tom. So you can go ahead and use fresh fruit or you can use frozen fruit to put that right into your kombucha that is left over that you're going to drink. You can just put that in the jar with it and put the lid on and either put it in the fridge or leave it on the counter. You can do use different herbs and spices to do your flavoring. I know one of my favorite flavors is ginger, and you can use fresh ground ginger, or you can use, you know, right out of your spice rack and just throw a little bit of that in there. Ginger berry is one of my favorite combinations. I know a lot of people like um, mint. We'll put in fresh sprigs of mint. So you can put in all kinds of fresh herbs and spices and any kind of fresh or frozen fruit, and they make a bunch of different flavor combinations. Um, One of my favorites is peach. I absolutely love brewing kombucha with fresh peaches. Okay, so we let's go with peaches. Let's run with peaches. Since I'm from Georgia, or I live in Georgia, and this is the peach peach state, we're going to brew some peach kombucha today. So we got the. It's two weeks. We're two weeks in, and now we want to do our second fermentation. Do we take a fresh peaches or frozen peaches and put them in there, and in, in the same quart jar? Am I correct? After you have remade your kombucha, so after you have remade your kombucha with your scoby and your starter and whatever you have left over that you're going to drink, then you would transfer that to a new jar and you would put your flavorings in that. So if you want to put peach in, then you would cut, you know, wash your fruit chop it up and put it in maybe like you can put in as much fruit as you like, maybe a quarter cup, maybe a half cup. It depends on how sweet you want it and how strong you want the flavor to be. It's also going to depend on how long you let it ferment um, on the counter. You can let it sit anywhere from like one to 30 days. Um, you definitely run the risk if you're not using the right types of bottles that it will explode because when you're putting it tight on it and it's fermenting, it's definitely having increased pressure in the bottle. And there are lots and lots of people who have had it explode on them. So we're putting a lid on at this point with the peaches in there. Yes. The second ferment, you're going to put the lid on it. The first ferment, you're not. Okay. And we've removed the SCOBY and we've taken a little bit of the, of these out of there for a starter for the next batch. Yes. You need at least a half a cup for each quart jar that you're going to make for your new batch along with your SCOBY. So the first time you re-brew, if you only have a quart jar, you're not going to get a lot to drink. But over time, as you grow more and more scobies and you'll be able to make more and more kombucha, you definitely will have a lot more to drink. Okay, so we leave the peaches in there for two weeks. Then do we strain the peaches out of the kombucha you just made? You definitely can strain them out. There's nothing wrong with eating the peaches. Um, so sometimes I leave it in and sometimes I take it out. Uh, it just depends on the personal you know, the individual person's choices, but the fruit isn't going to taste quite like the fruit tasted when you put it in there, Tom. So it's going to be a little tangy, definitely going to be less sweet, and it's going to taste a little bit fermented. Okay. Lots of people love it. Okay. All right. Now we've got our finished product and we started a new batch. If I say I wanted to make bacon kombucha. I have no knowledge of that. (laughs) 
as you roll your eyes, I'm like, okay, all right, well, we'll play around with bacon kombucha on this guy. You do that on your own time, Tom. Okay, I'll do that on my own time. If I'm not going to brew a batch right away, what do I do with my SCOBY? Do I put it in a plastic bag and put it in the refrigerator? Tom, you're not going to save your SCOBY in the refrigerator. So <laughs> one big tip that you never want to do is put your SCOBY in the refrigerator because then it's not going to be viable for brewing. So if you don't want to brew again right away, um, you can definitely uh, keep your SCOBY on hand so you can brew again in the future. What you want to do is create something that's called a SCOBY hotel. So yes, there are hotels for SCOBYs, Tom, and okay. you're going to want one. <laughs> I'm going to be a hotel owner. <laughs> you can have a whole chain of SCOBY hotels, Tom. I have them on my counter right now. <laughs> a whole chain. <laughs> the Buse chain of SCOBY hotels. So the, what is a SCOBY hotel? Well, Tom, a SCOBY hotel is something that you're going to want to eventually make so that you can keep some additional SCOBYs on hand. Because in the event that you would get mold in something that you were brewing and you need to throw the whole batch out, you're going to want to be able to start over. And so that's where you're going to want to grab a SCOBY from your SCOBY hotel. And basically, it's really easy to do. All you do is get like a glass quart jar or some glass jar that you are going to throw your SCOBYs in. I recommend that you not fill it more than half full of SCOBYs. And then you're going to fill it to the top with starter. You definitely need to keep enough starter in there that it's going to cover entirely all of your SCOBYs. And I like to keep my jar completely full of starter so that if I need some starter to remake a batch that I have enough that I can pull some starter out of out of there with my SCOBY in order to make a new batch. Okay, now this is a question for somebody like myself who has no idea what I'm doing with this kombucha. But if you put the SCOBY in a SCOBY or SCOBY uh, SCOBY Hotel. <laughs> and you add the starter. Is it going to ferment still while it's sitting in the hotel? It will still slowly ferment in the hotel. Yes, Tom. So if you're going to keep your SCOBY Hotel for an extended period of time, six months or a year, from time to time, you're going to need to add more of your um, tea brew to it. You're going to need to add more sweet tea um, to it to keep feeding the SCOBYs, and they will continue to make starter from that, and so it will continue to keep them uh, viable. So that's something you're going to have to keep checking checking in on them at the SCOBY Hotel from time to time. Now, as a SCOBY Hotel, do you keep it in a, in a try plate? Uh, like, you don't put it in the refrigerator? Correct. Again, you never want to put a SCOBY in the refrigerator. So, yes, you're going to keep your SCOBY Hotel on the counter right along with the rest of your brew. Um, or if you're not brewing, you can just leave it sit on your counter. I know people who do put the lid on it, or you can um, go ahead and put your coffee filter and secure it with a rubber band and leave it that way. That's the way that I do mine. But I recycle my Scooby Hotels quite frequently because of the classes that I'm doing. Okay. Okay, now, one final question. Starting to ask this of all my guests. And it's a music question. So. Oh, boy. Yeah, don't get too excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite SCOBY band. <laughs> if you had three hours to kill, what one album would you listen to? That's a really difficult question. It might have to be somebody like Frank Sinatra or Nat King Cole. Okay, cool. All right. 
I'm a little old school with my music there, Tom. Yeah, you are. Old school. I like Frank Sinatra, though. So, and, and Frank Sinatra and who? Nat King Cole. Nat King Cole. They were both excellent artists. All right. So thank you so much for taking the time out today to go over this. Where can people find you? I'm going to put this in the show notes, but tell us where people can find you. And you also have, well, I know you're a health coach, but you also do aromatherapy workshops and then this, of course. So where can they find you and all these avenues that you do? People can find me on my website at amandabusehealthcoach.com or you can find me on Facebook at Amanda Buse Health Coach. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. And a lot of times I post um, some pictures of my kombucha on Instagram. So if you want to follow me there, I post different pictures of different flavors and scobies and pictures of different things like that. Thank you so much. And it was great fun. Thanks, Tom, for having me. It was good to be here. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. Please go to my website, www.tomunderwood.net. That's T-H-O-M, underwood.net. And grab yourself a copy of my free ebook, 11 Surprisingly Easy Changes to Be Your Best Self. It's under the freebies tab, at the top of the page. This will also sign you up for my monthly newsletter. And I promise not to blast you with endless BS emails. Also, if you'd like to book a one-hour consultation with me, at the bottom of the homepage, just click on the button, schedule a free one-hour consultation. And if you really enjoyed this show, please go to iTunes and rate the show and leave me a comment. Have a blessed day.